How many would like to hear that choir a few more times? More often. Glenn, make it so. I want to share with you uh, a text that I got this past week. I, I did ask for permission to share it. And um, uh, this person, just out of the blue on Thursday, sent this to me. It said, it says, uh, I need to tell you that due to work commitments, I have been unable to attend church for quite a while. Thank, thankfully, uh, those commitments are over now. But anyways, I see how it has affected my walk. And so I decided to start listening to your sermons online, and I have gotten through the introduction and the first habit, and I already feel so much better. Yes. Provided roads are good on Sunday, I will be here this week. And that person is actually here this morning. I'm not going to single you out because I don't want to embarrass you. Um, but then I said, can I share that with everybody? Because I think that would be encouraging to everybody. And so this person said, Sure. And then went on to say this. I listened to the third sermon after I texted you, the one about regular church attendance. Well, it really spoke to me. And I had been contemplating a church in town because this person lives out of town. But Cross Church is my home. And I say hallelujah. I say hallelujah, not her. Um, I'm going to listen to the last one tomorrow to be caught up for Sunday. And if you... In case you don't know it, uh, the one that she's talking about was the one on regular church attendance. That's a habit. Well, I'm going to say this to you, that in order to be truly serious about following Jesus Christ, you do need to have the habit of daily walking with God. It's the dailiness of our faith. And we said this, that, that a daily walk with God is really all about a relationship with with. God. And we have a relationship with God through prayer and through reading the Bible. Prayer is our way of speaking to God. Reading the Bible is God's way of speaking to us. The second habit is the weekly habit, and it's the weekly habit of going to church. And notice I said weekly, W-E-E-K-L-Y. Well, with so many people, it's W-E-A-K-L-Y. It's, it's a weekly <laughs> attendance at church. So I'm talking about the weekly as in come every week. It's really critical. And, and here, here's what a lot of people don't know about the church, is that the church has not existed from the time of Adam and Eve. The, the, it's, it's a relatively new invention, um, if you're looking at things in historical perspective. The birthday of the church is actually Pentecost Sunday. And on Pentecost Sunday, in case some of you don't know that, that's the day when the Holy Spirit was poured out. So on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is poured out upon the church, and that is actually the birth of the church. And um, here's what you need to know. When you show up to church on Sunday, the Holy Spirit is here to speak to you. Now, I told you this, that if you read through the New Testament, and in fact, if you read through the Old Testament, you will discover that when God speaks, he generally speaks to his people. So, for instance, in the New Testament, God will speak to the church, to the church at Ephesus, or the church in Corinth, the church in, in Philippi, the church um, in Galatia, and Pergamum, and on and on. Listen, listen here, this is what you need to know. When you show up for church on Sunday, in your church... And you're going to see the reason for this in just a moment. If you show up for church in your church, if you actually you know, can rouse yourself out of your warm, cozy house and your warm, cozy bed and 
and brave the cold and come to church, here's what I can guarantee will happen. I can guarantee you that the Holy Spirit will be here to speak especially to you. There'll be a special word from me to you. I'm just a mouthpiece. I'm a, you call it the oracle or the prophet, whatever you want to call me. Uh, I'm here to be used by God to speak to you in a way that you need to be spoken to. And this is why you need to go to church. It's why you cannot miss out on this habit of weekly church attendance. And then the third thing was, uh, the third habit was holiness. And that's, that's the moment-by-momentness of the Christian faith. So we've got the daily aspect of, of daily praying and reading our Bible. We've got the weekly aspect, which is attend church every Sunday. And then we've got the moment-by-moment aspect of the faith, which is basically recognizing that every decision you make has got to be a reflection of what Jesus would do if he were you. It's WWJD. What would Jesus do? And so here's what you and I need to understand. You and I need to understand that in the course of the some 35,000 decisions that you make every day, and that's not an exaggeration, in the course of those 35,000 decisions, a number of those decisions will actually be moral decisions. And your, your job as a believer, as a follower of Christ, is to make sure that every decision you make is a, a decision that is in line with the will of God. And can I just remind everybody of what evil is or what, what sin is? Sin is anything that is contrary to the will of God for your life. Plain and simple as that. Every time you don't do what God wants you to do, that's what we call sin. Well, today we're talking about um, small groups. Now, here's the interesting thing. This is our fourth habit. If I tell you to pray and read your Bible every day, everybody's going to say, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I agree. That should be done. No problem, pastor. Two thumbs up. Way to go. Um, I'll do my best. But you will, not, you will not fight with me on that because you know it's important. The second one, of course, going to church, you recognize that people have been doing that since the day the church was born 2,000 years ago, and that's what we do, right? So you're not going to argue with me on that. Oh, you, might, you might protest a little bit and say, Pastor, do I have to be there every Sunday? And I'd say what I'd say to my kids. Yes, you have to come every Sunday. You know, last week... Uh, Last week, a lot of people don't know this, Jesse played in the band in both services. Played, he plays the bass guitar in both services last week. And all of a sudden, I saw him exit for, through those doors. Now, he knows, along with everybody, that's a big no-no. You don't use these doors during the service. You go up through the back. And by the way, if you didn't know that, now you know. So we'll be watching you. Uh, he, all of a sudden, he leaves, and I'm like... What is he doing? i got to talk to that kid. But meanwhile, he's, get, he's sick. He's gone to the bathroom because he's sick. And I thought, man, he's going to go home after the, after the first service. But no, he's back on doing his job. And I thought to myself, man, that is a fantastic example of what it means to be devoted to the church of Christ, to be willing to say, God, hear my, use me, no matter what. You don't miss church. It's what we, don't, we just don't do that. Now, you will have no problem with that. You'll have no problem with me saying you need to be holy because you know that the definition of a Christian is that we are holy people, right? We're supposed to be. Remember I told everybody last week you're a saint? By the way, did you tell your friends and neighbors that? Did you tell them you're a saint? What did they say? Did they bow down or anything like that? No. You're a saint, so you're not going to argue with me that you need to do good and be good, right? But here's where I'm going to get pushback from people. When I tell you you need to be in a small group, you're going to say, well, hold on a minute now. Now you're pushing this thing a little too far. Well, today, I'm going to show you from Scripture how critical it is 
that you be a part of a small group. Do you know that the very first thing Jesus did when he started his earthly ministry is that he started a small group? Did you know that? Before he did almost anything, he started a small group. And what do we call that small group? The disciples. We call them the 12. It's a perfect size for a small group. And so here's, here's Jesus with his small group. And they, they virtually hung out together every day for three years. And in that small group, Jesus taught them. They were encouraged. They were refreshed. They encouraged and refreshed Jesus. It was not just a one-way street, which is what a lot of people think. A lot of people think that the disciples just sat around Jesus' feet all day long and just listened to whatever Jesus said. But we're talking about relationship. And we see this because when Jesus, just before he goes to the cross, is in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's praying, what does he do? He, he asks his, his friends, his people in his small group, would you come and pray with me? Remember that? And You know, he got kind of ticked because they, they fell asleep. And he said, can't you just pray one hour? I need you guys. Listen, this is what small group is all about. It's about people who need each other and who depend on one another and pray for each other and walk through life together with you. Do you know that after the, after the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost and when the church was born, do you know that the very first thing that happened was that small groups were established? That's right. When the Holy Spirit fell, what happened? They broke into small groups. That's literally what had happened. I mean, it was the, that's the timeline. And so you need to understand today how critical it is for your spiritual growth and development to be part of a small group. We take this so serious that we actually are hiring somebody to come on, on board, on staff, to help us organize and to lead our whole small group thrust. The serious Christ follower is one who takes seriously this habit of being in a small group. Now the question this morning is this. Why, why is it important to get connected? How is that important? What, what difference does it really make? Well, let me say this. There's, a, there's, a, there's an irony that we see in our culture and our society today. Never in the history of mankind have we ever been connected. Would everybody basically agree with that? Every year, there, there are millions of miles of, of, of cables and fiber optics that are being, being placed so that we can stay connected. Every year, there are satellites shot into, into orbit around the Earth so we can stay connected via cell phones. One of the greatest shocks for me is when I went to Zambia, a land that has nothing, and the average house does not have electricity, how almost everybody that we knew, they all had a cell phone. And they couldn't plug it in because there were, there were no outlets in, in, the, in the clay uh, huts that they lived in. But uh, the missionary there, he had some outlets on the outside of his house. So here's what we'd find in the morning is that the, the little porch around the house would be just cluttered with all these cell phones all lined up, plugged into the outlets so they could charge their phones. It amazed me. Even in the jungles and in the wildernesses and the backsides of Africa, people are connected. Even here in Canada, in the north, we're connected. Wherever you go, people are connected. Why? You know, we went to the Philippines. You know what we discovered? And this, you could, this is documented. 80% of the people in the Philippines have cell phones. 
in, in great poverty there, yet 80% have cell phones. Why is this? Well, because as a culture, they understand how important family and friends are. It's, it's beautiful. Beautiful to experience, beautiful to behold. But here's what, here's what the stats say. Every day in the Philippines, there are 1.39 billion, B, billion texts that are sent out every single day. People staying connected and connecting with one another. Why? I'll tell you why. My friends, it's because you and I were created in the image of God. You and I were created for connection with one another. The very first thing that God observed about Adam and Eve, or about Adam actually, about Adam after he created him, was that, oh man, it's not good for man to be alone. Poor Adam was lonely. Poor Adam created in the image of God needed somebody needed somebody to love did you hear that needed to have somebody to love and so god created eve now now let the spirit of god speak to your heart this morning because here's here's what you need to know you and i were created in the image of god and what do we know about god well here's what god this is how god chooses to describe himself god chooses to describe himself by one word and that word is love now, in order to love, you have to have somebody to love. You need to have somebody to love. That's how we've been created. You're happiest when you're connected to other human beings. You're happiest when you have somebody to love. You're happiest when you are loved. Does anybody remember that song, Dean Martin, and I think maybe Frank Sinatra? You're nobody till somebody loves you. Some of the older folks are speaking up. Thank you. <laughs> You're nobody till somebody loves you. Listen, this strikes a chord in our hearts because we do understand that we were not created to be hermits. We were not created to be disconnected. In fact, I would say that loneliness and disconnection is a pandemic in North America. We, we, get, we need to learn from Africa. We need to learn from Asia what it means to actually be connected to one another, the importance of family, the importance of friends, and and the importance of the family of God. We need each other. So here's what you need to know about the church. The church is all about connection. It's all about ways to find relationship, ways to find friendship, ways to find intimacy, ways to find people who love us and care about us. It's critical. It's critical for your spiritual growth and development. Why is this? Well, because when you are part of a family, you're loved, you're cared for, you have an opportunity to, to share, you have an opportunity to give, and when you're not around, you're missed. And your small group, if you're part of one, will know when you're in church and when you're not. Now that sounds like, oh, I don't know if I want that kind of that kind of accountability, that kind of pressure. People are going to be watching to see whether I'm here or not. Listen to me. We're a family. There's, not, there's no judgment or con condemnation in this. It's what makes us happy and healthy. It's interesting. I hear people say, I don't want to be accountable to anybody. I don't want anybody looking for me and tracking me and tracking me down and harassing me. And yet, if they show up at church and nobody calls them, they'll say, nobody called me. Nobody cares. And it's interesting, isn't it? 
So here's what we're going to do here at our church. We're going to be a church that's going to keep on hunting you down. <laughs> no, we won't hunt you down. We'll hire, uh, we'll hire private investigators to find out where you are and what you're doing. No, no, we want you to be part of this family. We want you to be a health. We want you to be healthily connected. The question is this today: Are you? Sarah is taking a class at school right now. Um, it's called retail, and she says to me, "Dad, have you ever heard of Abraham Maslow?" I said, "Yeah, of course." Uh, have you heard of his hierarchy of need? And I said, "Well, Sarah, for the past four weeks, I've mentioned it twice in, the, in my messages." She says, oh, well, anyway, Dad, did you know? <laughs> that made me feel great. Uh, she said, well, Dad, do you understand that one of the important things that we need is that we need to belong? I said, yeah, that's what I've been saying for the last few weeks. If you look at Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of need, you'll discover that, that it actually is third in the scale of five. And the things that come before are like our physiological needs, like breathing and eating and then safety and then the next one is belonging. We need to belong. We need to connect. We need friends and family. I mean, it says this right in his studies and in his findings. Now, here's what you need to know. What sociologists and psychologists are just discovering now, the Bible's been talking about this for thousands of years. God knows what we need because he's the one that made us. At least that's what we believe. And God's saying that you need to be connected. Now, the Bible speaks, gives about four really distinct and maybe a few more word pictures for us to help us understand what the body of Christ is really all about. Uh, I want to touch on one of them uh, specifically, but I'm just going to quickly tell you about the other three. The first one is is that Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. All of us find our connection and our life being connected to Christ. Now, look at the common denominator here this morning is that we're all connected to Christ. So we've got people literally from all over the world who come together on a Sunday morning to worship. Now, this is, this is amazing to me. I, I think we've got about 20 different nations represented here today. In fact, we even have Poppy's parents here all the way from South Africa. And uh, I can tell you, they are especially spiritual because they left the warm house this morning to come into the cold <laughs> and, and come to church this morning. So God bless you and welcome, and we're so glad you're here. Make sure you say hi to them after the service. But here we are, people from all over the world, and what's the common denominator? Jesus. That's the common denominator. And so the Bible tells us that Jesus is the vine. The thing that connects us is, is in fact, our relationship to Christ. The second, the second picture is that the church is, in fact, a building, that each of us are bricks in the building, and so we support one another, and together we hold together and we're strong. And the third picture is that we're a body, and that the body is made up of different parts. And so, you know, sitting beside you this morning, there's an ear and there's a nose, and there's, you know, whatever, we won't go further than that. Um, but you recognize that, that a face without a nose or, or a face without an ear looks, it doesn't look right. In fact, the body does not operate right unless all of its parts are working and they all show up for duty. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? Anybody over 50 know what I'm talking about this morning? 
It's just not working right anymore, those knees of mine. It's not working right. And the healthy body is a body where everybody does their part. The fourth word picture that Jesus uh, shares with us and that we see throughout the New Testament is that the church is actually a family. Now, before I go any further, I want to read to you a passage of Scripture from Acts chapter 2, 46 to 47. And look what it says. Right after the church is born, right after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it says, the people worship together regularly at the temple each day. And look at this. And they met in small groups and homes. Isn't that interesting? Now, that's what, this is what happened right off the bat as soon as the church was born. They met in homes for communion and shared their meals with great joy and thankfulness, praising God. The whole city was favorable to them, and each day God added to them all who were being saved. And so here's what you need to understand, is that this small group that we're asking you to be a part of is in fact a family. And it's in the context of that family that you grow strong as a, as a follower of Christ. It's in the context of that family that your need to belong is met. It's in the context of that family that you grow spiritually and are strengthened emotionally. In this world that's so full of, of loneliness and disconnect, the church of Jesus Christ is an antidote to the loneliness of this world. And that's what we're about. So many people think that Christianity is merely um, a, a, a belief system. You know, and here's what you need to know. We, we do have a belief system. There are certain things that we believe, and then we'll even be dogmatic about it. For instance, we believe, according to Scripture, and this is what Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. We're, we're quite dogmatic about that. And the reason we're dogmatic about it is because that's what our Master says, and we believe him. So that's our belief system. But I'm going to tell you this, folks. Christianity is so much more than just a belief system. Now let God's Spirit speak to your heart. Because the church is actually a belong system. B-E-L-O-N-G. We're a belong system. We're a belief system, but we're also a belong system. When you come to church, listen, you're coming to a church that's full of people who belong to one another. And people in this church know that they can call me anytime, day or night. If they're in need, they can call me. Why? Because they belong to my family. And we can call on each other. We can depend on each other. But here's the problem, is that we're getting so big now that I can't, I, there's no way possible for me that I can take care of everybody's needs here. So what we're going to do is, when, when it's really, really urgent, if you're on your deathbed, then I'll be there. And I am, always, without fail. But if it's not that urgent, that major, then your small group's going to take care of you. And that's why you need to belong. So then in that hour of need, when you really need somebody to be there for you, your small group will know you, will know who you are, and they'll know your need, and they'll be the ones there to help you through whatever it is that you need to go through. We're a family, people. We take care of one another. And so as a belong system... You need to know that when you became a Christian, you were actually born into the family of God. So now you belong. You didn't even know that. And you didn't even have to sign up for anything. All you had to do is say, Lord Jesus, I accept you as my personal Savior. I accept you as my Lord. And God says, right on. You're part of the family. I'm your father. You can call me daddy now. Truly. That's what it says. Abba, father. That's what Abba means. Daddy. You're part of the family. And it's here, in the context of this family, that we're going to take good care of you. Now, it's interesting that on the day of Pentecost, the day that the church was born, the 
historian who recorded what happened, he said that everybody was together in one accord. Does everybody know what an accord is? I'm not talking about the car, right? We're talking about unity. Everybody was together in unity. Now, here's what you need to understand about the church, and you've got to get this. Because if you don't get what I'm about to tell you, you are not going to understand what Christianity is about. You're not going to understand the New Testament. You will not properly read and interpret what you're reading. So here's what you need to know. The New Testament, number one principle, number one ethic, is in fact unity. Did you know that? Jesus says what? Just before he goes to the cross, before he dies, he has this prayer, which is recorded in John 17. What does he say? He says, God, make them one as you and I are one. So what? So that the world will know that they are my disciples. So when you become part of the family of God, folks, what happens is you become part of a church, a family that loves you and cares about you. You're part of a unified whole. And here's what I know, is that it's impossible to have unity without community. Do you get that? In fact, there's a special word that we read in the New Testament. It's the word koinonia. It describes something very precious, something very special, something unlike anything else in the world. It's the fellowship of believers. Without unity, there can be no community. Without community, there can be no unity. So you need to understand today that being part of a small group is absolutely 100% part of God's will for your life. And we're inviting you to say, Pastor, I want to be part of a small group. I'm inviting you to sign up to be part of a small group. We'll talk about more of that in just a moment. Do you know that there's about 60 directives, 60 commands in the New Testament that cannot be carried out by you unless you are part of a small group? What do, what do, I, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, did you know that there are a number of one and, what we call the one another commands? Love one another. Pray for one another, serve one another, be committed to one another, build one another up, encourage, did I say that? Encourage one another. This is the only way that you can do these and fulfill these directives is if you're part of a small group. And so we invite you to take seriously this call to adopt this brand new habit. Now, I gotta tell you, how many know that habits are not easy? Bad habits are easy. How many know that? That just really stinks, doesn't it? Bad habits, man, they're hard to kick. But the good habits, they're the hard ones to establish. Now, here's what I'm going to promise you, and I've said this before. When you adopt new habits and you start practicing these new habits that I've been talking about over the last few weeks, I'm going to tell you these new habits will push out the bad habits. Hallelujah. I've already had people come to me and say, Pastor, it's a, if I feel like I've been born again. I feel like I've had a revival in my heart. I feel my life has changed because I've been practicing these new habits you've been talking about, and my bad habits are falling away. And I say, Hallelujah, folks. That is the gospel. That's the good news that Jesus Christ has brought to us. It's a gospel of transformation and of change. Look at Jesus says here in, in in Matthew 18, verse 20, he says, for where two or three are gathered together as my followers, I'm there among them. Now here, listen, you gotta get the significance of this because this is the supernaturalness of our faith. 
For so many people, church is, oh, it's boring. They sing the same old songs. Stand, sit, stand, sit. Pastor does this, a little bit of that, a little bit of holy water, and everybody goes home and goes back to doing what they were doing. No, no, no. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about religiosity. I'm not talking about mere liturgy. I'm not talking about mere ritual or tradition. I'm talking about Jesus Christ coming down and touching you and ministering to you and letting him into your hearts and life. And it happens, my friends, through small groups where two or more Two or three are gathered together as my followers, as my serious Christ followers. I'm there among them. So here's what I know. Here's what I know. God wants you to experience a connection that you've never experienced before. He wants you to experience his love in a way that you've never experienced it before. He wants you to experience the love of others who actually care about you, have made no demands on you, but just simply love you unconditionally. He wants you to experience that because here's what God knows. He knows that's the greatest need of your heart. That connection, that peace with God, and that unconditional love of others. I know some of you here this morning maybe are a little bit introverted. I know I am. I remember feeling when I was in Bible school and they tell us, you know, get into groups. I'd be <laughs> such anxiety. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And then they would say, okay, you know, pray with the other people in your group. It's like, ah! I don't want to pray in front of anybody. I can't do that. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody can identify with me? Am I the only one? There's two of us, three. Jeff Weston, are you kidding me? (laughs) Anyway. You have no problem talking. It's maybe the praying part, right? Is that it? (laughs) Okay, listen, listen, listen. It's tough. I know it it just seems tough. It's like, ah, don't, don't talk to me. I know a lot of people find it hard to believe that I am basically introverted. I got no problem sitting in front of all of you and chatting my, my head off, but the, you know, if I got to sit down with two or three and, and disclose personal thoughts, information, whatever, I'm not too comfortable with that. But you know what? It's good for me. In fact, I would say that the greatest growth and development that took place in my life happened on one-on-one, two or three others who are gathered together in Jesus' name. That's where the growth happened, and that's where I experienced the power of God at work in my life. So I'm going to say this to you this morning. Get together with a small group. Four is better than six. Six is better than eight. Eight is better than ten, and ten is better than twelve. Small is good. I'm going to tell you this. As our church continues to grow larger, it needs to grow smaller at the same time. And the way that that's going to happen is by everybody being connected in a small group. Now, uh, in a moment, I'm going to ask Chris Silke to come and join me up here um, because he's going to just share a few thoughts. But before he does that, I want to share one more verse with you. And it's really, really critical that you, that you see this. Matthew 18, verse 20, uh, pardon me, 1 Corinthians 15, 33 to 34. Look what it says here. Do not be fooled. Do not be deceived. Don't lie to yourself. Don't allow yourself to believe this. Because here's what you need to know. Bad friends will ruin good habits. This is why it's so important, folks, that you establish solid Christian friendships. Does this mean we hate the people who don't go to church or who are not Christian? No, I'm not saying that. But here's what I am saying. You need to be connected to people who have the same habits that you want to have. Because it's a well-known fact that you become 
the person you hang with. You become like the person or the persons you hang with. If you hang out with gossips, you will gossip. If you hang out with liars, you will lie. If you hang out with people who've got a bad attitude, you will have a bad attitude. If you hang out with people who are negative all the time, you will be negative. And so what you need to understand is that it's critical that you hang out with people who share your habits. Because bad friends will ruin your good habits. This morning, I'm not saying get rid of your old friends. I'm not saying that. What I am saying, though, is that you better establish some new good friendships. And I, I have a feeling that what's going to happen is that your new good friends who share your habits, their lives will influence you. And I have a feeling you might just invite some of your bad friends over into your good friends fellowship and their lives may be changed too. In fact, I'm praying on that very thing. I'm, I'm hoping for that very thing. I'm counting on that. Folks, you can do this. You can make a difference in the hearts and lives of your friends by making sure you're hanging out with the right people. Chris, uh, do you want to come on up here wherever you are? Um, I told you we're very serious about small groups, so serious that we're hiring somebody even though we really can't afford it right now, but we believe it's that important and that it will help us tremendously down the line. Uh, this is Chris Silkey. Chris Silkey worked at the church here back in uh, the turn of the last decade. Uh, you would never know. He doesn't look that old. He's, he was worked for us when he was 10. <laughs> no. Uh, but he's here today, and he's going to just share just a few thoughts with you in closing. Um, and so I, I want us to really pay attention and really be willing to work with him. Uh, Chris, share your thoughts with us. Well, I, I truly experienced uh, the impact of being in a small group when we moved to Calgary in 2005. Uh, we didn't really know too many people, and we started going to a church there. Uh, finally decided, as Pastor Allen was saying, you know, it's kind of difficult, you know, stepping out and getting together with people they don't really know. It's always kind of awkward, and, uh, but we made, we made the decision to go first time, second time, third time, and uh, we kept going, and, you know, those people uh, became, became our friends. Not all of them, but we, had, we developed some good friendships through that group. And after that, uh, you know, just as life goes, we had young children, and uh, other people in that group had young children or different things happening. Um, we were able to, you know, become encouraging to one another, you know, sharing, you know, through, through Bible study and things like that of, of uh, how, how we could help each other, encourage each other. Uh, and then things happened in life, too. So people got sick or, you know, big things happened, small things happened. We were able to reach out to one another to be able to be part of these people's lives. And to this day, some of those people are still great friends of ours. And, and that's the power of, of being in a small group is it can uh, obviously connect you with people, develop friendships, which we talked about is so important, about belonging. It also can help you just grow together. I mean, you, everyone here has something to share from their life experience and, and through their study of the Bible and can and, uh, input, in, in, input that into other people's lives. You can truly uh, be a voice to other people. And then, as uh, we've talked about this morning, really caring for one another is a great component of that. Um, coming here on Sunday, we can meet people, we can share, but as we all know, when we come, somebody asks you, how are you doing? Great, I'm doing fine, I'm doing good you don't really have the opportunity to really get into it. And in the, over the weeks of being in a small group, that's where really you can dig into how are you really doing, how can we really care for you, how can we really support you. And uh, those are the real great characteristics of being in a small group. We, we, you know, we all have 24 hours in a day. 
168 hours in a week to spend, and how are we going to spend that time? We have many great things to do, a lot of entertainment we can, we can be a part of, sporting events, uh, arts, uh, different things, uh, and those are all fun and great, uh, great things to be involved with, but truly what's going to be, what's going to be a great uh, and the best for us to be involved with? And I, I personally believe being in a small group can really uh, be something that can be impacting for, uh, for your life for years to come. Okay, now Chris is going to beg you for something, beg, plead. Um, and so because he's a new kid on the block, um, our church uh, is, a, is a nice church. We're nice people. Oh, and we really like to try to cooperate as much as possible. So Chris has got a favor to ask of everybody. So Chris, go for it. So most of you, hopefully, when you came in uh, today, received one of these little questionnaires. We're not asked. Everybody have one? Can you lift it up? Let me see if you, everybody's got one. If you don't have one, there's a table at the back that we have more there as well. And we're not asking people to sign up and we're not going to be putting you in a small group today. Nothing like that. This is not a commitment. Uh, Basically, what I'm trying to gather is just information about people. If you're in a small group currently or if you'd like to be one, and if so, what kind of small group you'd be interested in and and how you'd like to be involved. Would you like to just to attend or would you be open to opening your house to invite people in to to gather there or even being a facilitator or a leader of the group? So if everybody could take a moment, fill that out and just drop it in one of the baskets at the back table, that would be a great, great help for, uh, for, for me and, and the start of uh, just really re-engaging with small groups here yeah. at Cross Church. So we really want to help Chris out. We want him to make him feel loved and welcomed. And the way that you're going to do that is by cooperating with him.